Hey everyone, it's Nick and I'm back. I spent a couple of weeks in Africa for a delayed honeymoon with my wife. So I'm still alive. Lions didn't get me. Hyenas didn't get me. Though I did see three cheetahs while I was taking a little piss by the bush. So that's that was kind of interesting. Right, so, so for this episode, I've got Nabila Sharil. She's a good friend of mine. Uh, we've worked together in the previous organization. Uh, she left that to pursue her own business and she's now the founder of Mind Body Breath which is a yoga and health and wellness organization a small outfit but she does really well she does those yoga trips around Malaysia and you know it's something that's really I would say a really positive action that she's taking on everyone else So hey everyone, welcome to the show. I've got Nabila Sharul here, who is a really good friend of mine. I've known her for over 10 years, and she's also the owner of Mind, Body, Breath, which is one of her entities. She started off as a you know health and wellness organization focusing on yoga, eating healthy, and pretty much you know um, spreading positivity and mental health throughout. So yeah, welcome Nabila. Um, not Hello. What, hi. So what I normally do is you know, let you have the floor, let you jump in and talk a bit about yourself. Um, yeah, so this is yours. Okay. So no just pressure. Talk about myself. Yeah. Maybe you should lead in with a question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like to surprise you in the morning. So okay. So let's let's talk about how we know each other, right? So we used to work in a consulting firm together. I'm in the HR side. Um, Nabila was in the consulting management consulting yeah. bit, and you know she did real well. And what did you been there for? How long? I was in consulting for. Three and a half, almost four years. And before that, you were doing um, public health, public consulting. health as well, right? Yeah. And you graduated from the uh, University of Melbourne and the University of Queensland. I don't know which one you're asking me. Yeah, both. She, yeah. she likes to go around the <laughs> western, southern states. So yeah, Australia. Yeah, UQ for my postgrad. Okay, what's a postgrad in? Um, masters in social development. Okay. I'm a HR guy, so I do tend to ask a lot of these questions. And at the end of the day, I know, right? It's like you're hiring me. Yeah, end of the day, it falls back to my interview skills. End of the day, you know, <laughs> we wanna we wanna get people. I've got, I guess, I've got listeners of all ages. And if you wanna do something for those who are studying or those who are talking about career changes, yeah, it's, it's something that we can actually help them out. Then, by all means, you know, let's go through that. Then you finish um, your bachelor's and your master's, and you went to the workforce. Did I did, did a I couple did. of years in, in uh, public health and then moved to consulting. So what prompted you to get out of consulting and go into your own, you know, own personal business? You know, it was never really planned. Like, never in my whole life I actually imagined doing what I'm doing now. Um, but sometime in, you know, while I was in that consulting job, I think I was just getting a little bit overworked and wanted to go for a long break. And I remember, you know, talking to one of our friends then and I told her like, I just want to go somewhere, do yoga for one month, like every single day. And that's all I want to do. So what I did was I found a place where they offered a one month yoga stint, which also happens to be a teacher's training. Right. 
And where, where was the location? Koh Samui, Thailand. Okay. And I applied uh, for leave for one month's leave. And the fact that I had leave for, for one month right. goes to show that, you know, I don't actually go away for very long. And um, um, and I remember at that point in time, the supervisor that was in the project told me pretty much, you can go, but if you go, then, you know, it's going to impact your uh, promotion period. Yeah, it's going to so. be tough for you to come back and get back to the grind of things well you know, no not really pace. i don't think it's that but i think it's because they want to have they want to have like you know a, a constant x amount of months of your work yeah so to show to that you're, you're, you're yeah, performing evaluate. consistently correct. right correct correct so so i held back and then you know and then i got promoted finally and then basically as soon as i got that announcement i'm like yep okay thanks i'm going now <laughs> bye <laughs> all right self-reward for getting a promotion yeah so, so I went there, you know, not intending to ever become a teacher. I just wanted to do it, you know, for a month. And then I came back and obviously super chilled out. Right, because you've <laughs> been doing yoga next to the for, like for like a whole month. month. <laughs> and um, immediately I remember, like maybe the first or second day, I, I got a criticism was like, um, why are you so chilled out? You know, and <laughs> you're taking things to too you know too easily why do you have to be so intense during consulting then yeah so that was a that there was a moment that you know kind of made me realize like hmm why can't you be chilled out and do good work yeah right um that, yeah. that goes to another segue which I'll, I'll touch upon a bit more of our, of your previous corporate life and my current corporate life we'll, we'll, we'll put a footnote to that but Perfect. yes please go on yeah so um, yeah, and then at that point in time, I didn't think much of it. It's just like, oh, okay, maybe she's right. You know, like I have been away for a whole month. <laughs> Let's get back into the grind of things. Uh-huh. And um, but then you know, one of my best friends knew that I did that teacher's training, and she's like, "Hey, why don't you just teach me? You know, like teach me, please, teach me, kind of thing." And um, we did a few classes over the weekend, and that feeling of teaching someone gave me. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but a a um, satisfaction, a deep, deep satisfaction. Yeah, like a like a not really like a satisfaction, but it's a feeling of like, hey, this is it. Right. It's like you know when you when you see someone, you're like, that's gonna be my wife. Yeah, but I text <laughs> I text Jessica Alba all the time. She never comes back to me. <laughs> For good reasons, you maybe <laughs> Nick. <laughs> I try to DM. Don't tell my actual wife, but I DM Jessica Alba once in a while, but she never replies. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I get it. So when you did your first class, I, I guess if you go back to Koh Samui, you did one month of training of yoga consistently, and this was before. Well, everyone this before that movie Eat Pray Love, right? Where. They sort of commercialized. No, it was actually it was after. During, after that. After, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, <laughs> so were I you, sort of did my own little eat, pray, uh, love. Were you prompted by that? Um, no, not really. I mean, I have been doing yoga since I was nineteen, eighteen, nineteen. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the first yoga class I went to was in Melbourne when I was doing my undergrad. Um, it wasn't consistent, and then I came back and I started my first job, which was with a bank. And I found a studio nearby where I live and it became like a weekly thing. And I really liked that class and I really liked the way that he taught because it was really more from a therapeutic uh, sense. It's mm-hmm. none of the whole crazy do handstand kind of pretzel 
Shit. It's it's not. Yeah. You can swear. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just checking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that pre- pretzel shit is crazy. Uh, so basically that... Yeah, it so really it became regular, yeah. right? And it became my, my little uh, escape from the corporate world every weekend. You know, like when I'm stressed with work or, you know, relationships or whatever, that became like a re- relief. And and that's when, I mean, I did that for like a few years. And that's, you know, sometime in 2012, I think. Yep. It it hit me like, you know what? I want to do this like every single day just to see what's, what the effect is rather than like a weekly thing. Right. Okay, so you just want to put in a repetition for it to see if you can still, I guess, love it. Yeah, and to to experience the benefit that everyone talks about in in yoga, you know, mm-hmm. and like what happens if you intensify it and do it every day. So I became my own guinea pig. I think that's interesting. <laughs> There's no litmus test though, but yeah, that, that's very <laughs> interesting. Then then you went to to Koh Samui, did that, and you came back with a certification or um, yeah. to yeah. to be a teacher. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you pretty much you know uh did classes with friends then it clicked so hey this is something i want to do right so how did you transition out of the corporate life into this uh, well i think we if, if we back up a little bit like when i was starting to teach my friends obviously it was unpaid and also because when we were doing that one month course we were taught like you know okay so your teachers now you know but before you actually become say a real teacher you gotta at least you know, dedicate 100 hours of just um, teaching for free, like karma classes, right? Yep. And and that became, you know, like with my friends, that was it. It was like unpaid and all that. And then, uh, but we did it at my apartment uh, next to the swimming pool and some of the people from the apartment looking down at the pool saw me teaching. Right. So, <laughs> so that was a little perfect. No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it, it's interesting, right? Because yoga is not a thing where you were doing open last time yeah that's right that's right and i don't anymore now like i don't teach in the open not mm-hmm. in an open air at least um but you know i didn't know much back then it was just you know let's just roll our mats it's cool to be next to the swimming pool and you know right some yoga. and so i went to one of those classes and i almost died <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because i was you know not fit then not saying i'm fit now but i'm in better health now but yeah i almost died but that's okay. Yeah, Moving you, on from You that. lost a lot of weight. I don't know what you do, but like keep doing what you're doing. Marriage life is it's good for me because I want to be better for my wife. Ha, you thought I was going to say something else, right? Aren't, aren't they supposed, okay, isn't marriage supposed to make you put on weight because you get comfortable and then, you know, your wife cooks you a lot of good food and stuff? Okay, so the wife cooking bit, let's take that out of the table because <laughs> we don't cook. She cooks great, all right? Okay, I thought... Yeah, she, but we don't have time to cook and mm. the thing is... Um, just a segue in terms of going to health as well. Uh, I figured that, you know, hey, look, you know, I'm married. I, f- I love this woman and I got my family with me and I don't want to, you know, for lack of a better word, die young, right? So better get healthy or, or as yeah. healthy as I can be. That's, that's an important, uh, you know, recognition to have early on in your life. Yeah. Oh, early is uh, <laughs> early is an understatement on my side. But, you know, better late than never. And... Yeah, and and for me, I think it's it's definitely it's not just about weight loss. I guess it's all about eating healthy and, you know, um, having a mindset of you know sustaining your life a bit longer. Mm. But that's something that we want to talk to you about as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you did the classes. You you've got you know uh, a couple of classes in hand already. Yeah. Started teaching. Started start teaching. Started getting paid. How did you go into that? Because you got your karma classes, right? So this is for people who essentially want to, I guess, have a business 
of a service provision. So I mean, maybe they can do yeah, there's a whole bunch of dance classes out there, dance right. teachers, people who are doing, you know, training people to public speak, people who are training people to draw or, you know, any other service-based stuff. Yep. Right. Okay. So how do you transition from giving free classes to then trying to get someone, your irregular students to pay you? Mm. And then I guess not doing it out and open anymore, but renting a studio to do your classes. Mm. How do you maintain that business equity sense and how do you transition from going from free to now I've got to charge you yeah this is going to sound a little bit new agey but I actually had a lot of those moments where you sit down and you write like what is it called visions or or like um, statements yeah yeah and in one of those statements I actually did write out how much I want to be paid ideally for a private class or you know a yoga studio class so at that point of time i remember writing it down and i felt like there's no way <laughs> someone's gonna pay me for an hour of just teaching them yoga this amount right did you, did you ever look at you have a realization like i'm not worth that much or was it more to like they're not gonna spend that much it's more of like they're not gonna spend that much yeah and um so I started maybe like at half that rate uh, for a private class, which to me right now is like ridiculously cheap. But then you'd be surprised how many, you know, yoga teachers out there are still asking for that rate, you know? Yeah. Does, does price equal quality? To me, yes. So if I'm going to be asking, you know, a, a, an, a high price, right? Like I better know my shit in other words right and i'd be i better be able to like offer them um you know a class that they can benefit from so what does knowing your shit mean um it's not just knowing the postures but it's also knowing anatomy uh knowing their conditions and how to like modify it correctly to to their current state right and it's not about forcing that postures on them but rather seeing where they are at their moment and how you know they can benefit from like a certain amount of postures and all that. So let's let's go back to, let's have a bit of a footnote on that. What to you is the purpose of yoga? I know it's a very very universal, right? Type question. It is, isn't it? And yoga is such a huge word, right? Yeah. Like, um, what is yoga? I think that should be the first question. Um, Pain. <laughs> Yeah, because I think in your understanding, yoga is just what you do in a yoga class, right? But to me, yoga is bigger than that. It's off your mat. It's how you live your daily life and how you interact with everyone and the environment around you. So back to your question, what is the purpose of yoga, right? Um, enlightenment, <laughs> to put it in one word, enlightenment. But, but okay, I know it's, it's a little bit new agey, but yeah, yeah, of course. The, the whole purpose of yoga to me is to be able to uh, know myself and to be able to achieve that level of uh, mind control, I guess, like controlling your mind and your thoughts so that you're able to be the best person you can be. Yeah, and, and if you look at it, and I make this very... Um, I'll say either similar or dissimilar type of, of link to it. So if you look at people who have been playing sports or people who are, who are competitive throughout or 
someone who wants to do things well that I've talked to. Now I've got friends who are professional cyber gamers, professional professional sports people. You know, they've done um, they represented schools and stuff, things like that. Right. And if you look at it, it's a lot about self awareness and self realization. Uh, whether it comes from hey, you know, I I can minutely control one body part to be placed in a certain position and maintain it, right? That takes conscious thought. And once it goes to a point where you have conscious thought to analyze how you work your body or your anatomy, mm. then it goes. it's an easy transition to conscious thought of how you actually think about how you think. Yeah. Right? And that then you put yourself in everyday situations. You know, if this, thing, if this happens, how do I react to it? So what's a good way to react? How do I want to react? How do I want to react in a way that would make me happy? How do I want to react in a way that would make other people happy or them upset? Or, you know, how does my presence, my collective, my self-awareness affect myself predominantly and the environment around me? I think the more you realize that, the not to say the better person you'll be, but the more complete of an individual you can become. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. probably shouldn't end as a question mark, but yeah, yeah more complete so as you become. Yeah, but then we could also go down that whole rabbit hole of, like, what do you define as complete, you know? Um, <laughs> but I think you got the gist of it. It's like awareness, right? To gain awareness of how you think and how you react to certain things so that, you know, you can actually be aware of how you interact with your people and the environment around you. Cool. We always go on a professional question, then we go to one that's, more s- more to us in transitions kind of conversation, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's let's put it back to you. Let's try to get spiritual. Are we having yes, a of spiritual course. conversation? Oh, uh, that that too, definitely. I think um, uh, I think spiritual uh, points of of your life and how you come cut across it mm. is is very important for you as well. Yeah, and we brought we're brought up in a well, I don't put demographics in it, but we're brought up into into an Asian type community, right? And it's all about you know religion and being spiritual and there's always a very spiritual side towards Asian communities. And social responsibility. Exactly. Yeah, you have to go and I don't know, I just know every West Saturday I have to go and pray. I have no idea why, but I have to do it. Because <laughs> apparently I owe something. Thanks, mom. <laughs> so okay. hold it back to the mind, body, breath. Yeah. Right? And you created that, you started kicking it off. Um when was your first official official class that you got paid? I got paid. Um, I was still working as a consultant then. Um, I got paid because, I, like I said earlier, one of the people looked down at the pool and then they saw me teaching, they approached me. And I started having classes at her place for her and her daughter. And then uh, that went on for maybe a few months and then she started asking for more classes. So like more than once a week. And she said, can you have it on a weekday in the evening? And the nature of consulting work, as you would know, is... There are no evenings. <laughs> it's unpredictable, isn't it? You know, you, you can finish at 7 one day, you can finish at midnight the next day, right? Depending on where you are and what you're doing. So I couldn't promise her, I couldn't commit. And at that point in time, I felt like, okay, you know, I think this is the point of time I need to decide um, what I want to focus on. At the same time, I was still in consulting and there were still things that I wanted to learn. Um, and the whole reason that I joined, you know, this particular consulting firm that we were in was because it had a very good CSR, um, arm 
where you know you can take off to like projects in different countries work with an NGO um, and that was something I wanted to do all along yeah so to every <coughs> organization who wants to know about why people say yes to join a company CSR is important for me it was yeah yeah and then and then so eventually I got my project I got sent to Vietnam for a few months on my own which was like a dream this is the CSR project yeah cool. yeah and um, and I basically learned a lot from that project so I got sent off with uh, with the with the clause that I need to come back to join this project that they've already had me kind of earmarked for right yeah. and so I was like okay sure just send me off first right and then so I went and I came back and I joined finally that that project that earmarked me for and I knew as soon as I started that I guess I'm done, right? With consulting. Uh, y- either way, yeah, yeah. Because I remember waking up for a whole month every single morning just dreading it, right? You know, I mean, the project was great. The client was great. The team was awesome, you know? So you're just dreading to go to work, not because of the work that you're doing, but because of the state of mind you're in. That's that right, time. yeah. Like, you know, in comparison, like that project was really awesome to, to like all the other difficult projects I was ever on, right? But I just didn't have the heart anymore. And that was when I knew, like, okay, I think this is it. And also, I had a few realizations along the way also, like looking up uh, to, you know, people who are le- a level or a few levels above me and looking at them and how they live and how they operate and stuff like that. And I was just like, I don't, I can't imagine having a life like that or I can't imagine being like them. Right. And that's not, that's not to trash on them as well, right? No, no, I mean, no. They, they no they're their great, own. right? Yeah. I mean, uh, they're great. That, that's why they're there, right? Yeah. They are in the level, whatever the level they're in. But it's just that my personality and like what I want out of life just doesn't seem to match. Okay. And that's, that's the pinnacle of, I guess, the certain points of critical decision making, you would be a lot more self-aware. Say, so, hey, that's, that's them. It's not, it's not about just that's them. This is me. Right, it's more. This is me. This is what I want to do. This is where I think my path is going to go through towards the future. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then then you quit your job. And I quit my job, and that whole part was really funny because I needed to figure out a way how to get out without without people thinking like, "What the hell are you doing with your life, Nabila? Why are you just throwing away your career?" Kind of thing. Right. Right. And, okay, and this is from from parents. Everyone. Everyone. Parents colleagues you know and also maybe i was trying to convince myself at the right, same time right. you know like i'm not doing a big mistake so i actually told everyone and and like like truly at that point of time it's exactly what i wanted to do so it wasn't it wasn't like i made up a lie or anything right but i had the heart to pursue uh traditional chinese medicine yeah and so i was like that's it i want to go back to school yeah and that was that was what everybody understood me as leaving for. This is new to me, uh, but but it's not, that's not true. I mean, not true to the sense that you just wanted to go back to school and pr- pr- uh, pursue traditional Chinese medicine. It's true. It's true, okay. At, it's true. At that point of time, it's true. It's exactly what I wanted to do. and um, But at the same time, I was like, okay, so here's the plan, like inside my head, right? I was like, uh, school is not going to start in a few more months. So while I wait for school to start and while I apply for like, you know, funding, whatever, all that, 
I'm gonna try to. How do you apply for funding? Is it a father mother bank? <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> not at that point of time. They basically said like, if you want funding, go ask like Mara or whatever, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, then I was like, okay, I have X amount of months before that all has to happen. Between now and then, let's just try to get this business up and running. Let's see if I can get more classes. Let's see if I can actually make an income that could sustain me. Yep. Right. So it was really just experimentation. Like I, I didn't really decide like this is what I want to do. Kind of thing, yeah. You know? It's more of a direction you want to go to, but there are other avenues to reach the end goal, the direction. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like me creating multiple tracks of possibilities of things I could do or want to do at that point of time. Yeah, i.e. consultant workflow, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so all that trading went into good use. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, and since you brought it up, like, you know, I really think what I learned in consulting, what I learned in corporate as a whole, really play a hand in, you know, getting me up and running. Okay, so so y- you got it up and running for, let's say, there's a three, four months between you stopping work and then going to your um, traditional Chinese medicine course? Yeah, yeah. so it w- I think it was about five months or something okay. like that. So in that five months, like, uh, you know, I gave myself time to see which university I want to go to and all that, right? And how much, blah, 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 all that. And um, along the line and along the way of that five months, um, one of my friends connected me with a studio owner and really, I think this is all just timing and it's like the universe way of saying like, you know what, Nabila, this is what you're meant to do kind yep. of thing, right? Yep. And um, she connected me with the studio owner who also happens to be, um, I guess, a singer, celebrity, you know. So she, it's, it's easier for her in that sense to have a studio and acquire like students coming in because she already has that exposure and people already know about her, you know. Okay. Understood. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Uh, it, her brand is already there. Yeah, yeah. Her brand is already there. Yeah. Exactly. So then she was opening a studio close to where my parents lived. And this whole, uh, you know, transition of me, you know, from consulting and then, you know, becoming unemployed for a while, I, I already planned it and had X amount of savings. And also I was thinking to myself, okay, I can't exactly stay by myself. I'm going to move back for a while. Right. And, um, and because it was very convenient, it was close to my parents' house. And we met and she was like, you know what? You know, like the studio is going to be here. This is an open schedule. You just teach however many classes you want. And does she charge you for the studio? Uh, well, so we agreed on an amount uh, for each class. Oh, okay. So a I get percentage. paid by class. Oh, I get paid by class. Oh, okay. Fair yeah. enough. And looking back, it's probably the best setup ever for any new teacher because A, I got to pick as many classes as I want to teach and I can teach whatever I want. And then B, I set a rate where it's not dependent on a headcount. It's not dependent on how many students turn up. It's just flat rate. Yep. Right. So and you're paid per hour for your services regardless of you know how many people come for cl- that particular class. Yep. Yeah. So the business element of it was left to that studio owner to handle initially. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yep. I was more like a freelancer. So I just go in and teach and she pays me for each class. So it's pretty very straightforward. In that sense. Okay. So how long did that go for until you, you thought to yourself, hey, you know, I could actually, instead of freelancing it, I could own it. I could own my business, you mean? In, in a way where I could be the own one. Own a part of the studio. Own a part of the studio, rent it out, uh, charge mm. per headcount. Mm. Are you doing that now? Uh, no. All right. You're still going on this particular model. Yeah. Of um, business for here. a while, I was a business partner. So yep. 
after a few months and then you know we kind of got along and stuff like that she approached me and asked me if I want to be a partner to her first studio in in um, Damansara Padana right and I was like great that's what I always want to do in my life to be you know to own a studio right I didn't think of it as like I want to be a partner to a studio but like okay you know this is a start kind of thing so I did that and that was when I I learned a few things you know in terms of owning a business in terms of working with partners uh, having your vision and your you know what you want out of a studio aligned and how important that is right and realizing that you know if you work with three other two other partners and if your vision is not aligned, it's actually very difficult to go ahead. Right. And I mean, if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to answer it. But are you still working as a partner? With no. Them? So, so it. I think how many? Um, I think I spent about like four months or so mm-hmm. in that business partnership, and um, l- just before I exited, it was it was quite difficult because I was thinking about it like, okay, how do I do this? You know, I want to exit, but. I still want to teach you and I still want to be friends with them. It's just that like business wise, we are not aligned. That's all, Yeah. you know, and I recognize that, you know, you can actually separate this, these two tracks. Like you can just come in and teach and not be like, you know, part of the, the whole business that they're running. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, <coughs> you're the, they're the, I guess they're the medium of where you provide your service. Yeah, and you're paid for that. Yeah, and they pull in uh, the classes and the students, etc. So you're you're doing a singular service. You don't have to worry about you marketing. know marketing and lights, bills, utilities, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I I think it's also a matter of preparedness as well on what you feel you need to hone your craft in. Yeah. If your craft is teaching yoga and providing a service, uh, a very curated service, or teaching yoga, like you mentioned, you know, with proper knowledge of anatomy you know, uh, breathing techniques and the skill levels of your students versus do you want to run a business that includes that yoga piece, but also including things like scheduling, costs, ROI, mm-hmm. you know, OPEX, CAPEX, all that kind of stuff. It's a whole different focus, right? Yeah. So I think at that point in time, I wanted to focus more on my teaching and the mm-hmm. quality of what I teach. So let's put a point that, that I want to go back to, so you started the yoga classes and then you also wanted to do traditional Chinese medicine mm-hmm. um, education. And there was five months of you doing that to get a business, your pretty much your teaching business up and running. Mm. Now, on the fifth month, when enrollment came on for, for the class, what happened? What was your thought process? Um, at that point in time, I was already you know, thinking like, hey, you know what? I can make a stable income out of this. And I could actually support myself. I could actually move back out of my parents' house and you know like back to my own place and and s- still be okay you know so i thought about the the studying part right and that is going to take full time 4 years 4 years to be a traditional chinese medicine qualified four, pr- 4 years and a year of housemanship so 5 i think yeah for traditional chinese medicine yeah you need a housemanship too man these chinese people i swear to god <laughs> i apologize <laughs> <laughs> it's but a long go, time because I it's really you're becoming a doctor, right? I don't know because when I go to the Chinese medicine hall, they're like, "Oh, you're already hitty. Just drink this drink." <laughs> I don't think it needs four years for that. <laughs> right. I don't know. I think qu- 
quality, right? I don't know where you go, but <laughs> in all, like I think I think Douglas Lim or someone was making that joke. Oh, you're very hitty. I just ring this. Go here, go there. Oh, oh, you got you know tuberculosis. It's because you're very hitty during this. You know, everything is about being hitty. Everything's about and being we're in hitty. Malaysia, right? It's all yeah, about exactly. the heat. Yeah, it's easy way out. Sorry, so, yeah. so it's, it's four years plus another year housemanship yeah. to, to uh, become a Chinese medic- traditional medicine. As far as I remember, yeah. Right. Yeah. So then I was like, I don't know if I want to live that lifestyle for a while to not be able to earn and just be reliant. You know, like I don't know if I could go back to that, to being a full-time student, yeah. right? And I was thinking, okay, maybe I can be a full-time student and teach part-time. Right, and then I was thinking. So, what exactly do I want to focus on right now? Do I want to focus on the yoga part? Do I want to focus on the traditional Chinese medicine part? And then, the answer was quite obvious. Then the so yoga part, the yoga part. Which, yeah. which w- w- was it partly due to you? The, and I mean, we're realistic here, right? Obviously, we need a sustainable source of income to survive on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So, was it partially also you thinking about, hey, you know, if I study full time for four years and then a year housemanship? And I don't have. I simply do not have the time to to create any other mean of income, whether it's part time or you know whether I'm selling stuff on yep. online or whatever it is. Is that part of the equation too? Part of the equation, yeah. Also, because I, I mean, online business didn't really came into my mind at that point in time because what yep. I do is very like physical, right? It's you. You need to be there one to one kind of thing. I did kind of dabble with things like um, I think they set up platform uh, where you can teach via Skype and all that. It's not so big here, but it's big in the US. For the life of me, I can't remember what it's called. I'm Powwow, just gonna, I'm just gonna cheat, man. I'm not gonna do the poses you make me do if you teach me via video Skype. Right. So I don't know exactly how that works. You know, uh, <laughs> you just put your teacher on Skype and then you know you just listen to their instruction. But then how do I, as a teacher, adjust you? You know. Aside from verbal cues, right? Right. So that that kind of fell through, and um, I just stuck to what I did. I just kept on teaching, and then I started, you know, getting into social media early on. You yeah. know, as soon as like I stopped working, and I knew that you know this is what I wanted to do to like build my business for the next five months. Then I started like you know having my own brand, having my own social media, and all that, and that helped quite a lot initially. For people to find me. <laughs> yeah, so so you started social media. You had the, all the parameters, all the fundamentals done already f- to kickstart everything on social media. Of course, everything is on social media right now. Yeah, exactly. It is, and yeah. I think you know. Thank God, I I set up pretty early on because that played a very important role in me getting enough private clients. That was a kind of exposure that I didn't expect, but people found me through through social media. What What do you mean by private clients? Do they is there a one on one session? With with you for yoga, yeah, yeah. Okay, and not necessarily one to one. It could be like one a, to a two, s- but a smaller group. Yeah, it's their own session. That's right. Okay, and how do you run that? Do you do it in your space, or do you just rent out a studio, or are mm. you still working with that particular area? So, s- we when a person approach me and they want a private class, typically I ask them, "Do you have space at home?" So then I travel to their house, and of course I have a boundary. Like I don't go you know beyond certain boundaries because <laughs> i don't exactly want to drive that much yeah not the epo N- not the epo although <laughs> although i do have a student in bunting at the moment and she's like the only person <laughs> i would go to bunting for right okay. but um yeah so initially it was that and um people were approaching me i got like some 
weird calls on the phone, you know, for like private session. But I guess this is all part of putting your phone out there, right? Yep. And um, and that's I think that's the role of social media. It still does play a very important uh, role in helping me getting business even to this day. Yeah, but obviously, of course, it also plays a important role to get positive testimonials of what you're doing and you're doing it right. Uh, mm. Did you have a bad comment of you being a quote-unquote sucky teacher? So I think the society we live in, as an Asian in general, we are, okay, not so much then, I think, but now maybe people are a little bit more open to say bad stuff about services and all that. But I don't know. I, I have never heard students talk bad about teachers openly. If they do, it would have to be them coming in as an anonymous reviewer. Right. People are just not willing to be. But but, but when I used to work in the service industry in, in F&B, I was told that if when a customer gets great service in the Asian community, right, when a customer gets, gets great service, they don't tell anyone. Yeah. But if they get shitty service, they tell everyone plus oh, a second level of people as well. I don't know. I've never received any particularly bad reviews although i do have to say that i've had a few students walk out of my class before which i don't take it personally I, to me the style of teaching that you know i do ashtanga is is a set sequence right so there's no way to run out of like run and be creative with it do you get what i mean so yeah. when somebody doesn't respond to to that uh, way of teaching it's not so much the way that I teach, I think they, it's just they find it difficult or just they don't like the sequence and all that. Does that? Yeah, sense? I think it's a, it's a, you have to be there from start to finish. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's cut across on that for a while. We talked about your business, talked about you moving up from Korea to, to, um, you know, being a freelance trainer, sorry, freelance teacher and then partnering and then not partnering and then doing what you're doing right now in happy medium place. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is for yoga basics right how many forms slash styles slash teachings of yoga are there a lot there are a lot i i just i cannot <laughs> give you a figure to it but i well, think what, what is it, it overall like yeah, a general way yeah. right you could kind of categorize it into two the traditional system and the more modern non-traditional system so traditional system, I think there's really just maybe a handful. And w- I can probably name maybe three. Just Ashtanga, Iyengar, uh, Sivananda, and then a few more, I know. And which Lord of the Rings book are these spaces at? No, just kidding. <laughs> they sound really, really cool names. All right, so there's this three in traditional. Yeah, uh, more than three, I think, but just a handful, you know, not right. like a lot. Um and then the non-traditional ones is what you see now in most yoga studios, the aerial yoga, the fly yoga, the dog yoga, the God knows, beer yoga. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm good for beer yoga. <laughs> what does that yeah, entail? I think, I think you can get that in Thailand. Somewhere in Thailand, like you, your yoga classes involves you drinking beer and doing postures with a bottle of beer. Like do I do it. this? Do I do this posture? <laughs> <laughs> do I do this postures before or after I'm drunk off my face? <laughs> I think while getting drunk. <laughs> All right. It's like, oh, let's do this posture. Oh, that's difficult. 
watch me and hold my beer. <laughs> let me do it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are like, I think the the non-traditional ways. And there's a lot like, you know, mixtures of like yoga with Pilates these days, right? Yoga mm-hmm. with bar and all that. I, I mean, I've lost track. of all. So you're talking types. about the traditional one. You teach Ashtanga, right? My personal question, where, does, where the hell does hot yoga fit into all this? Hot yoga is the non-traditional. Okay. One. So, yeah. traditional school of yoga, which is the, the three that you, not just the three, but the three that you know of. Yeah. Are you, um, is there a hybrid of, of way where you can teach all three or do you have to focus on one? As you mentioned earlier, Ashtanga is a set from start to finish. Mm. So, it might not be something that's conducive for a newcomer. It might not be something right. that's con- conducive for someone who wants to get into it. How does that cut across? So, th- I think the whole thing, I mean, you can say it maybe a bit of a problem with yoga classes is nobody owns yoga, right? So, nobody can claim it as their own. And because of that, you can get hybrids. You can get hybrids be- between two different traditional schools. So, there's no governing body yeah. to oversee yoga. It's really up to the teacher, yeah. And you can... You can get a good teacher who can hi- you know, marry two different or three different styles together, or you can get a not good one, I suppose. So, so when you teach a class, what do you want your students to go home with? When I teach a class, um, I think, one, I want them to be able to just get back in touch with their bodies. You know, to just get away from the noise of the world and be able to reconnect with themselves. So if I can get them to at least feel a bit of that after their first class, I think I've done my job. Is that a a mindset? It's partially mindset. It's also a feeling, isn't it? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, when you feel you're inside of your body. A lot of people these days, they're so busy doing things and it's all very external. The experience is very external, mm-hmm. right? They f- they lose touch with their own bodies. And I think that's how people overeat, overdrink and all that because they, they lose the sensation of what their body is actually feeling in that point of time. Right. So in, in terms of them not finding... Not to say joy, but not, not not finding contentment within themselves. Yeah. Then they try to look for external stimuli to to trigger that. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And and yoga helps with that because it, it puts you in a certain state of mind. Um, you know, certain 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 level of pain. No, it's kidding. So level of awareness of your anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like I mean, maybe we can divert a little bit. But like, how does yoga actually? Oh. How does doing yoga postures actually help you to, you know, get back into your body and, you know, get in touch back with your mind and, and all that, right? I, it's through physical movements, you know, like y- when you stretch your muscles and all that, you hold all, th- like during the day and, uh, you know, during the work day and stuff like that, you hold all your frustration and your stress and your thoughts within your body, you know, and within this muscles and, um, you know, organs and all that. So when you start stretching them, all of this has to go somewhere, right? So a lot of people tell me, like especially when I do corporate classes, at the end of their class, they're like, you know what? It feels so good. It feels so good to just stretch out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and, and I guess also like you're doing something 
right? Not just sitting on a desk, they're doing something. And, and the thing is, they can be out playing sports or whatever it is, but they choose to do yoga, where it's be more of a, a, a mental thing as well as a, a, you know, a physical thing too. Yeah. So essentially, you are moving in from the physical into the, the mental body, right? And in order to get in touch with yourself, you have to come in through the physical. So touching on that, does, does yoga help in terms of mental health? I believe it does, yeah. Um, physiologically, when you start doing all these movements, I mean, as with any other exercise, like say if you run or you play sports, you get endorphins, mm -hmm. right? So that's part of it. But also the movement become sort of like i call it a moving prayer you, you know you are it's a, a moving meditation even right and through those movements you start to become more aware of your own body and through that you start to become aware of your own thoughts and from there i you know like if you're stressed out if you are you know kind of ruminating on certain things it, it gets called out and if you do it constantly you know what do you, what do you mean by gets called out within yourself out. yeah so you're yeah. like oh okay that's that's what i was thinking about maybe that's the problem kind of thing but uh, you know i think it's not a quick fix a lot of people think or want a lot of quick fix these days right it's not just one class can make you yeah no enlighten <laughs> or like it's not just one class and you all your stress problem is solved right yeah yeah it's no you can't you can't it's, get it's, that it's more of turning them to a suggestion of hey this is how you can think about certain things and the byproduct of of uh, benefits is that hey you get a bit more clarity in your thought mm -hmm. you get a bit more you know aware of how your body works you know maybe it's a point of uh, and, and this is this this is this is me as well sometimes uh, i've been to more than one yoga class and i and i realized that, hey how you know you never come to mind because you killed me no sorry <laughs> i'm aware I, it's not by choice i just joined them because they're free so honestly in all honesty, in my whole life, I've only been to four yoga classes. I need to make, I need to give like free classes, right? That's how I get you into my class. I guess so, but without <laughs> killing me first. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, hey, that, that yoga teacher taught me to position my body like this and felt good because all this time I realized I was slouching on my desk. You know, that, that awareness mm. that you can bring across to, it might be the first step, um, but I think that creates that click in your head to be a bit more self-aware how you position yourself how you sit how you how you are physically and then hopefully that's gonna um, you know evolve into thoughts about how you think how self-aware you are you know they're actually really related like how you carry yourself how your physical structure is or how you stand or sit actually impacts on how you feel and think yeah definitely right so it's like if you don't slouch, you sit better, you breathe better, you think better, correct? Yeah, I agree, I agree. And when you are more relaxed in your posture and less rigid, you get to also breathe better, I, I believe so. And the oxygen gets sent, you know, like efficiently throughout your whole entire body. Okay. And also to the point where last time I used to be in a sales role, where we pick up phones to make calls, we tend to, they make a stand, right? Because the, the tone and a authoritarian voice that comes out, right. the energy, it, it's totally different from sitting down. So we used to train salespeople 
uh, back then. We always make them stand when they have phone calls. Really? Yeah, it's interesting as well. That's so, really cool. Yeah. Have you heard of this superwoman or like, you know, superman kind of stand? That a lot of um, those success uh, coaches tell people like, if before entering an interview, look yourself in the mirror and do like, you know, the superman stand. <laughs> that's great but that superman stand is to withstand bullets being shot at him so <laughs> uh, now you're triggering my 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 expertise because i'm a hr guy i do a tons of interviews and we can we can have another f- five hours on that no it's cool i mean yeah. it's supposed to be a conversation right so yeah but i think for, for me it's it's a mindset right you, you do the stand like like what you mentioned in yoga and what i mentioned in terms of uh sales sales training you force yourself to do that stand because it's the easiest way or the more most simplistic way mm. of triggering that mindset. So a lot of things that you do, that we do on a day-to-day basis is to really prepare for us for our mindset, right? When you think back at it, okay, you get a cup of coffee for work. It's like, okay, this is me going to work. My mindset is work. You go out and have a drink of wine or eat healthy food it's like this is my mindset to relax this is my mindset i'm i'm triggering my mindset mm. so as you get more self-aware you don't need that external stimuli to trigger you anymore it's just a click in your head a switch in your head say hey i'm going for an interview all right this is me let's run through everything so work's done you know 6 30 5 30 whatever it is time to spend time with my family so my mindset goes to one where i am open and communicative and caring with my family mm. So I think that's that's um, that's something that's trainable over time. You don't need that physical action anymore. Mm-hmm. But you know, to have that once in a while just remind you would be great as well. So I, I guess it's a matter of um, level of expertise. If you are in tune with yourself, in tune with your body, in tune, in tune with your your mindset, and you know you're aware of your mental acuity, then you can make that switch anytime you want. And I, I think, agree. Yeah, yeah. and you talk, when you think about leaders, senior leaders, people of influence, um, whether it's it's people who are doing you know, corporate work, charity work, CSR. Um, yeah, they tend to say that, right? It's just a, a switch in my head that enables me to think like that as I cut across everything. Yeah. Like, even, you know, I- in like the ancient uh, practices of yoga, the whole purpose that, you know, all these sages get into all the funky postures and all that is mm-hmm. to actually prepare them to sit in a lotus position for a very long time so they can meditate. So essentially, when you really think about it, um, you know, yoga isn't like for a big portion of it isn't about the postures itself. It's about being able to meditate. And then we get down to the whole what is the purpose of meditation is to actually learn the workings of your own mind and be able to control that. Right. So I, it's totally right. You start from your physical body and then. Can I skip all the body parts, the physical part, just be enlightened? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there is a way. But then, you know what they say, right? Also, when, when you do like yoga, it's because you want health. You want to maintain the health and, you know, vigor of your body. Because if you're sick, you can't meditate. Like when you're in pain, like how do you sit there for a very long time and like trying to, you know, like control your mind? Yeah. Because pain will essentially be the biggest thing in your body at that point in time. There's nothing else you can think about. Agree. Agree. Oh, I'm going to talk about something controversial so yoga competitions yep what the hell is that about i don't know man <laughs> i saw that on your thing and i'm like yoga competition shit okay you know early isn't that on, the oxymoron 
Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's like when, when I saw that a few years ago, I'm like, what the hell is a yoga competition? Should you, know? it, do, have you, wh- you have should I join, ever you should join in one. Any? Yeah. Actually, I was invited in as a judge for one. <laughs> how do you judge again? How do you, did, did, did they give you a judging sheet? How, would you see anything on that? How do you judge a right. yoga competition? Right. So, from what I remember, this was like, I think about five years ago. Um, and again, I think they just found me from social media. And I was also kind of writing a little bit about yoga last time. So that's how they found me. But anyway, um, what they do is they give you a piece of paper. And it's, it's um, I think, separated by, I can't remember, like uh, flexibility, uh, form, you know, like the form of the posture yep. and some other things. I can't remember. And you're supposed to like kind of just grade it out of five, you know, and you add it all out together. Which ones, which ones carry more weightage in marks? Is there marks for enlightenment? <laughs> I don't know. I could go there. I, I'm pretty sure no. <laughs> I could go there and, and sit, you know, for a while, for the whole, you know. And start uh, levitating? Uh, fi- not levitating. But and five, win the whole entire five competition. Minutes, I'm like, hey guys, I'm freaking enlightened. You know, I just score full marks for the enlightenment portion of things. Right. Yes, I think I think yoga competition gives a lot of focus to the physical form, which, you know, to go back to your question, isn't it an oxymoron? Yes, because the whole purpose you do yoga postures is in order for you to get away from the physical form, right? Yeah. And um, y- yeah, so this competition was filled with kids. The one that I was judging, so it was like school kids. Uh, what 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 kind of age are we talking about? Uh, ranging from I think really young, um, maybe five, all the way to like teenage. So years. it's basically gymnastics with yoga in it. Yeah, uh, exactly. That is exactly the word. Like I think if you make a competition out of yoga, it becomes gymnastic. Well, what about the adult competitions? So we've seen it, right? We've on, we've seen it on news, we've seen it on social media. You know, um, they got a yeah yoga champion. I'm like, what? Does what that the hell mean? does that mean, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know if you can, if anybody is to be labeled yoga champion, it should be like along the lines of like Dalai Lama or, you know, Gandhi or something, right? Right. Um, I don't know what that even means. But in those adult yoga competition, I think I've seen one or two on YouTube. They are evaluated on their, again, their form and the fluidity of how they transition between those forms. So it becomes... Gymnastics. Yeah, jump gymnastics then. Without all the ropes and the jumping around. Do they do it with music? I don't think so. I don't it know. becomes floor gymnastics. Like yeah. the one that Malaysia goes for its SEA Games. Exactly. And I think this, this adult yoga competition is really, uh, it's a very niche uh, industry and it stems from Bikram, Bikram yoga. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And no other form of yoga actually runs a yoga competition as far as I know. Right. And it's a whole controversial part about Bikram as well and the founder etc things exactly. like that exactly exactly we could talk a lot about that huh yeah we could but that's not <laughs> I don't want to be targeted by Bikram yoga assassins <laughs> they're flexible okay they can squeeze through a lot of places to get me <laughs> they can hide in my car boot and then kill me suddenly come something. out with like yeah that. exactly <laughs> and, and strangle Fair me enough. and Fair strangle enough. me with a lotus position or something like that <laughs> now uh, so moving on to that, so we talked about, you know, your career transition, we talked about your mind-body 
breadth um, you know, business and uh, your teaching. So right now, you're doing classes with with uh, with not really a business partner, but you have a studio. You get paid. You get paid a certain rate to teach as many people as you want. You also do your private classes where you go to locations and do it. Now, there's another thing as well, which I keep kept reading. You do holiday yoga, not not retreats. travel yoga, right? Retreats, oh, retreats, yeah, yeah, retreats. Yeah. So wow, that's different. How is that different from everything else? How, yeah. how do you cut across on that? How did I get into it? Is that what you mean? I, I guess. How do you plan that? How? What's the difference into it? What's the buy-in? You know, talk. Well, tell me about it from a business point of view. And also let me know from a yoga point of view, yeah. what kind of, you know, what kind of different levels of achievements, oh, sorry, of, of levels of, of um, I guess, success do you want to put across on this? Like if I go to mm-hmm. a yoga retreat, how is that different from for, for me if I go to a yoga class? Right, okay. So the whole purpose of running or the whole purpose of people seeking out yoga retreats, at least to my understanding these days, is A, to get away, and B, to have a healthier version of a holiday, right? Um, so when I plan for my retreats, it's with that in mind. It's how do I make this vacation useful for them so that they can learn something that they can bring back home and put that into practice and, you know, have a better lifestyle from there, right? So is the vacation more than a yoga or the yoga more than vacation Vacation, or is it 50-50? 50-50. In my retreats, I would want it to be 50-50. Some yoga retreats are 80% yoga, 20% rest and relax kind of thing. So right? that's it's super intensive, it's right? Super it's intense. like, you know, 6 a.m. to... 6 p.m. Yeah. yoga. Yeah. So then it becomes not a yoga retreat, but more like a yoga workshop weekend, you know, like really emphasizing right. You're on there the to yoga learn, part. to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when I ran mine, initially, like the first retreat that I, I ran, I wanted them to have also rest time. So it's not just about the yoga because it's still a holiday for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but over time, I'm running my third one actually in two weeks time. Where are you going to? Langkawi. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, w- like the second time I ran it, I got a lot of feedback from the participants. They're like, hey, we want more yoga. Like we want twice a day yoga. And then I'm thinking like, wow, man, really? Like I do it once a day and I'm like, that's, du- you know, enough for me. Like you guys want twice yeah. a day, really? <laughs> so I guess they want their money's worth as well. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's certain things that I need to take into consideration. And like, how do I work it so that they get, you know, w- they feel like they got what they paid for, but also at the same time, it is, you know, it stays true to like my, my vision of what a retreat is. Um, so yeah, so third time round, hopefully it, it runs better this time. Okay. And the, the previous two, where did you bring them? It's also Langkawi. So Langkawi. how I got into this whole retreat thing was... Um, again another friend connected me to uh, an ex-colleague from my banking years and he somehow got into his family business running retreats Um, you know like not retreats but like hotels boutique hotels I think right yeah he owns his hotels yeah his parents and his parents you know run it in mind that you know they will eventually pass it down to him so 
when he took over, he wanted to kind of grow the yoga part. And when we started talking, he was like, hey, you know, like we got a yoga deck already. Uh, we just need a teacher. And, you know, it's like the whole place is kind of set up as like a retreat. And it's really nice. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What's this place called? It's called Ambong Ambong Rainforest Retreat. Okay, in Langkawi. Langkawi. Yeah. Which part of Langkawi? Uh, it's situated in Pantai Tengah. Okay. So maybe about 10, 15 minutes from the airport. It's pretty close to the airport. But also, it's nice because they are in that quiet part of... Well, Pantai Tengah is quiet anyway. Yeah. But it's also another five minutes drive to Pantai Chenang, which is where the happening Okay, so if you want to, you can choose where you want to go across. Correct, Whether correct. it's going to be party central or yoga central. Yeah, except I don't know if you want to party on a yoga retreat, but to each of their own. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you, you do this retreat and how, how many days would each retreat normally take? Um, the first round I ran for three days. So it was a weekend retreat. And that felt to me and to a lot of people who participated uh, quite quick. Like it just went boom, 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 done. You know, you fly in, everything was like back to back and, mm -hmm. and then you go home on a Sunday, right? Um, so then the second round, I started running a five-day. So it's actually my dream to run like long retreats, you know, like seven days, 14 days. Kind so of you wanted thing. to em emulate your sort of workshop to Koh Samui, that kind of feel? Um, more like I want to be able to teach them everything I know in that 14 days. I know it's impossible, but... You know, what if we can distill everything I know in like seven days, right? And then they can go off from this retreat with a really good foundation and then start to grow their own practice from there. Right. So it's sustainable for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And to me, I think sustainability is, is a big, you know, foundation to everything that I do. It has to be sustainable. Like, why do you want to go and pay so much for like a three-day retreat, do something, you know, benefit from it, come home and totally forget about it. Yeah. Right? So those things don't really make sense to me. So now you've moved it to a five-day retreat? I did. And within that five-day, we offer a three-day. So some people, they can't take uh, leave, okay. right? So you can either come in for three days or you stay in for five days. So what's the difference between, uh, I guess, how has it evolved and what are the improvements from moving to a three-day to a five-day? I get to teach them so much more. And I get to spread it out a little more. So there's people who stay for five days. We get to delve in the philosophy side of yoga, which to me is the meat of what yoga is, right? Mm -hmm. You asked me earlier, it's, when I say it's like it's beyond the yoga class, the meat is in the philosophy, the understanding of, of yoga. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a vacation. Uh, you take the vacation, there's always that three-day vacation where you go in, you actually need a day to unwind and get to the mood of vacation. Then when, by the time you're really into it, you get the flow going on. It's like, oh, hey, I have to hit off the airport and fly back already. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So five days is like, you know, just nice for them to settle in and get to know each other also. And, and, and you're building that community of, of uh, yoga students too, right? People who practice it. Right, right. Although that is not, uh, you know, why I run yoga. It's like, I don't, I don't go into running retreats because, you know, with, with like long-term student potential in mind. Yep. It's more of like, you know, let me teach you what I know now, build a foundation. And I don't mind if you go out and find other teachers as long as you have that good foundation. Mm -hmm. Right, so. Okay, and your foundation is, is in uh, Ashtanga Yoga. My foundation is in Ashtanga Yoga. Yes. Okay. Now, 
where was at the end? I mean, we've gone through a whole bunch of agenda, which is which is great because it's the first time ever that someone has actually followed the agenda. I think because we're both in consulting. Did uh, I follow the whole? Yeah, yeah, we did. Not bad, man. <laughs> so, well so what else? Uh, we'll talk about as at one point. I remember us having a conversation. You were talking about being very aware of your carbon footprint, being being aware of um, mm. how much of a, I guess, residual impact we have. Mm on the environment mm. so you have this zero waste mindset i know it's tough to be fully 100 zero waste um but you know you <laughs> you want to have a talk about it on, on what we can do day to day to sort of you know uh, be more aware of how we influence the environment how we keep it clean right so i think i want to bring uh, one aspect of like yoga philosophy into how we interact with the environment right and the first arm in, in like, you know, yoga is ahimsa, which is non-violence. And I think this extends beyond being, say, a vegetarian or a vegan, you know. Um, it also goes to how do you interact with your environment in the least violent way as possible. And I'm, I mean violent in a way like when you consume something, your waste and all that, you know how do you minimize that as, as best as possible, right? Right, so you don't want to jar the equilibrium of things. Sorry, what? You don't want to jar the equilibrium of things. You don't, want to sh- you don't want to shake it up too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you maintain the balance, right? Consuming things just enough, not over-consuming things. Um, basically, the not hoarding things also. That is a big, you know, uh, thing within this whole zero-waste movement as well. But I need... I need the things which I kept five years ago in the bottom of my box in the closet. <laughs> I need it. Why? Like maybe next week. <laughs> 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 when I need it, I need it. But I understand. I mean, you're I keeping it for the future, right? Yeah. So essentially, you're living in the future, not in the now. Wow. Okay. That's that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Okay. So back to the how do you minimize? I think just being aware um, what you are consuming. Um, Right now, you know, I'm really liking how our state government is getting into the whole no plastic straw ruling, no styrofoam, no, um, what is it, plastic packaging. Yeah. But I think they're back to it. For a moment, people went with the paper packaging, which I was quite happy with, but I don't know why they went back to the styrofoam. But, um, or plastic? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like but, in but it's, a, it's like, I mean, uh, the way I see it, I don't mind the straws. It's okay, right? Um, then everyone brings the uh, old metal straw, which is fantastic. Yeah. But then you have to understand where and how that metal straw came produced. And because it's so cheap right now to to buy it off Lazada or Shopee, mm. like, you know, 10 bucks for a set of 15 or 20. And in, in, in the cutlery shelf of my office, that's a dozen metal straws right there really? so it kind of defeats the purpose right yeah yeah it does yeah. yeah so i think you buy and use it you bring it along with you um plastic bags i think it's super easy you, you just buy one of those bags from you know uh, the supermarket whether it's going to be one of the village grocers or you get a ton of free canvas bags everywhere as well i do have something to say about that though you know those cotton bags yeah there has been arguments that it actually takes more resource to make them you know as in the the one that people will give away during road shows and stuff like that. Yeah, those weave bags. Right, those weave bags. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a polyester hybrid plastic kind of thing. I, yeah, I, like 
how it consumes much more water and energy to make them. And, you know, are people really reusing it? So there's a lot of argument within this whole zero waste movement, right? And it starts to get a little bit confusing, just like how healthy food, healthy, you know, eating movement started out. And now it just becomes quite confusing too. Right. Right. Like, what do you eat? One day this is good. Tomorrow it's not good anymore. Right. And, you know, today metal straw is the way to go. But then tomorrow suddenly somebody owns 50 of it. And yeah. (laughs) So it's I don't know. I think it's also human nature to just go into extremes. Yeah. There's always an adoption. A person adopts, over adopts it. Yeah. And becomes that self-declared champion of metal metal straw usage. (laughs) Yes. I think we all know that. There's always someone in your circle of friends or associates that have that, you know, over exuberant need to. Who among your friends have fifty metal straws, man? I have no idea, but <laughs> I opened up the cutlery cabinet in my workplace, and there's fifty, like, dozen at least metal straws on it, and no one's gonna use it because it's a metal straw, right? Why? No one's gonna pick it up and say, "Hey, this is mine. I'm gonna use it." Is it? Is there like a level of like because it's gross, the hygiene level to it? I think so. Well, you and I worked in corporate offices with pantries before. You know how <laughs> you know how gross <laughs> it can become. So glad to be out of that world. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I definitely. I think I think zero waste. I I appreciate your input on that, and I think it's a step by step basis. There's no one person that can be fully zero waste mm. in the world. And if I can tell you a story <laughs> about okay. So I have a, a student, right? And um, she's in the F&B business. And um, recently, one of her daughter opened a restaurant um, in Moncara where, you know, it's highly populated with foreigners and expats and all that. So the first week, they found it to be very difficult because they were experiencing a kind of c- consumers that think and act and demand things differently from all the other locations. Right, and so there was this one guy. I think he must be one of the teachers from the international school nearby. He was quite livid when um, he went in and he was served his drink with a plastic straw, and he just went on a big whole ramble about like you know you guys are not environmentally friendly and na 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 and all that. And here's the thing: like th- this is where I have a problem with like you know um, eco heroes. I guess you want to call themselves. Yeah. You know because. Like you go in and you start like, you know, rambling about like how someone is responsible about something. But then have you looked back at how you are living your life? Like, I'm pretty sure he's dri- he drives a car, right? And as long as you drive a car, there's also carbon impact there, right? Yeah. You know, and like... I'm sure he washes his clothes and washing machine as well. Correct. And air conditioning. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's where I have a problem with when it comes to zero waste, when it comes to like extreme forms of living, like veganism and all that, when they start to criticize other people and their choices, I think that's where the problem is. Does, does, um, did he ask for a straw? Or did he expect no. all FB outlets to not use a plastic straw anymore? I think he expected that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Should I have edible straws? Just. You know, they have it. paper straws. Have you seen those? I tried eating them. Oh, it tastes course. good. No, uh, kidding. <laughs> I think Vietnam is coming out with um, edible straw. It's based on like rice starch or something. Oh, like okay. That. Yeah, but I don't know. That's then gross. it's not gluten free. <laughs> <laughs> it's gluten free too, exactly. But what would you want to s- eat for straw? That's weird. Yeah, I, I had a had a cafe give out paper spoons before mm-hmm. with a rice dish. 
And after three scoops, I realized that it's I'm gone. It was soggy. <laughs> yeah, it's a soggy cardboard. So I don't know <laughs> where my rice started and when the paper spoon <laughs> and, uh, started. It just tasted like starch at one point. All right, I think we've talked a whole bunch of stuff. So um, I'll put it back to you. Is there anything else you want to have a conversation about? I actually want to ask, did I answer all of your questions? Because I think some, some of your questions could have just went off track. No, I mean, it's great. I mean, for me, it's not about questions. I know I, that's what I normally do to let everyone know. I, I send a text to to the guests to sort of highlight things that we want to talk about and it never stays on track which is great because you know that's that's the evolution of a conversation right i yeah. think that's fantastic as long as we cut across all this and you know we have it checked off i think that'll be quite beneficial for whoever's listening it you know mm-hmm. yes all five of my listeners that's all good. five <laughs> of your listeners your mom your dad your wife who's the other two um my wife's <laughs> dog and my staff which i fostered to listen no it's kidding <laughs> So yeah, I mean, thank you, Naps, for your time. I really appreciate it. Now, um, yeah, uh, let's flash out your social media stuff. So mm. you can follow Nabila on... Mind, Body, Breath. That's M-I-N-D-B-O-D-Y, Breath, B-R-E-A-T-H, um, on s- Instagram. And oh. the same also on the Facebook. Right. Are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter as MindBodyKL. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's basically a repost or whatever I post on um, Instagram. Okay, and it, and if someone wants to take on a yoga class, um, you know, go on a retreat, me? yeah, where can I find you? I would say the best place is to just follow me on Instagram. That's where I, I update the most. So you will find uh, information on retreats and my class schedules, my studio class schedules there, and you can also kind of PM me and just ask me, you know, if you want a private class and all that. Yeah, and it can just can you walk up to a class? Of course you can. Yes. Yeah. And that class is in Damansara Pradana. It's under Yoga One That I Want Studio. Um, yeah, and I teach every Saturday and Sunday. Okay, and it's also uh, I know that uh, sometimes additional classes as well. So which you really update on Instagram? That's right. Sometimes I like um, help to replace some teachers, and that's also updated on my Instagram. Okay, off a segue. Lululemon. Mm-hmm. Does it really work when you do yoga? <laughs> what do you mean? Up? What, what I mean, I mean really like, work? does it does it help you do better yoga? <laughs> they're they're marketing it as that, right? Okay, so here's what I think, right? When you have good, comfortable clothes on that don't get in the way when you're practicing, and it allows you to focus on your practice, then I think it's a good functional. Uh, clothing that you have on so so far that's what lululemon has done for me you know like um, when i practice it's it i mean it's functional right like it helps to wake off sweat it doesn't get in my way um it's not something you fiddle with while you are getting in all those yeah you just want to have take out all the variables yeah so you can have a not not, i don't say perfect but you can have a fuss free session yeah and this could be across other brands too it's just that i don't know about it because i already found one that works for me yeah and they last like i have you know pants since the last five years and they don't get out of shape which i'm like this is incredible man it's worth the price that you pay for it right so any lemon marketing people out there if you want to <laughs> you know jump on this as sponsor nabila or myself i'd be happy to do that <laughs> yeah i went to the store because my wife bought uh she got she got a 
pair of tights as a gift and obviously um yeah, the receipt was inside, so they wanted to, to they allowed her to go back and you yep. know find one which which fit her better, Change it. right? Yep. So I went in, and you know, then the lady said, "Hey, you know, we've got tights for men." I'm like, "That's great. I don't <laughs> wear tights. <laughs> oh, at least not for for yoga or whatever it is." But I, I it actually costs quite exorbitant. I think like four five hundred bucks a pop. Mm. So yeah, yeah I, know. I guess if you if you come in and you tell me that it's worth five years, then you know it's really the the, the cloth and the material that really takes out all variables. Um, I guess for me, yeah, it's definitely worth the price. Though. They've just released a working pants line. You might want to try that. I saw it, and the polo shirt costs five four hundred bucks. I know the price is ridiculous. We we get twenty five percent off as teachers. <coughs> Let's take this <laughs> offline. <laughs> <laughs> How do you qualify to be a teacher to get 25% off? You have off? to show the, your, your cert. Right, yeah. as a yoga teacher. Yeah, you have you know your certification to teach, right? That right. is interesting. Okay, cool. <laughs> you can cut that out. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, don't let my wife hear that. <laughs> so, Naps, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. All right, thank you. And then that's it, guys. Uh, again, look up Nabila's social medias and hope you got something out of this conversation. All right. Thank you all. Goodbye. Bye. And there you have it. Thanks for sticking on for the whole podcast. And as as usual, if you've got any comments that you want to put across to me, feel free to DM me. Feel free to drop me a text. Um, we're on Instagram at Nick Rap, Nick T Rap. Sorry. We're on Instagram at Nick T Rap. We're on Facebook, same as well. You can find us on Spotify. If you're not listening on Spotify already, um, feel free to subscribe. We've got episodes coming up every week. And I figure, I think I'm going to shoot out a episode 3.5. I met this really funny guy, right? Young, funny dude. Um, I'm not going to do a four until later. So I'm going to shoot out 3.5 maybe this weekend. We'll see how it goes. Until then, be well. Have a good rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thank you.